time now for Scoops with Danny Mac, the podcast on 101 ESPN. All right, here we go. Hope you uh, you had a good weekend. It's the Monday edition of Scoops with Danny Mac on 101 ESPN. The text line is always open for you. So when you want to yell at me when I say something stupid, which is a lot... <laughs> Just jump on it. What are you laughing at, Scotty? 65780. Yeah. Just jump on in, man. Did you have a good weekend? Yeah, it was great. I uh, didn't do a whole lot, surprisingly. This whole house buying process, usually you're bouncing around. I did make my first trip to Home Depot. <laughs> Big weekend, huh? <laughs> I feel like I'm growing up. Bed Bath and Beyond is next, buddy. They wanted my my girlfriend wanted to go to Home Goods, and I said, <laughs> Oh, I, I can't get over. I can't get to the other lane. Sorry. Man. That that's you know it's exciting stuff. You get that first house, and then you got you got to furnish it. Exactly. You know, it's just so much stuff to do, so much going on. You got to get a lawnmower pretty soon. That's right. The trimmer. I saw, I saw how expensive they are, Dan, and I might have to uh, pick up a second job to get a lawnmower. My hey. goodness. Hey, that's the way it works. <laughs> Any games catch your attention this weekend? Uh, World Series. Yeah. Game four. Me too. That was fun. That's one of the I would say probably top ten baseball games I've seen. It was that good. I, I actually went back and rewatched innings seven, eight, and nine on Sunday. That's how good I thought it was. And you know what bothers me, Dan, is that if the Dodgers win tomorrow night, how how long are we going to remember Game Four? Is it going to be as special as if the, if the Rays win the series or if it goes seven? You always remember the games when you win. A great example would be the Game Seven of two thousand six. If you're a Mets fan, you remember it. If you're just the general baseball fan, you're like, oh, that Andy Chavez catch, what a great catch. Now, if they won that series, it goes down as one of the greatest plays ever in postseason history. Still a great play. They double off Edmonds. He makes an unbelievable catch, but it doesn't go down still as a, I would say, top five play because you didn't win the whole thing. Changes the narrative. Might be changing the narrative here with Clayton Kershaw. So the key was in that game, the Rays chipping away in the third. They make it a one-run game. Bottom of the fourth. Runners on first and third. Nobody out. Kevin Cash sees Manuel Margot get caught stealing at home. And this is how it all played out. Yeah, you know, as a read, you know, I I know Kershaw has the the real high handset, whatever he does. And I, I think Manny just felt like, he had a bead on it that he could time him up. Um, you know, frustrating inning. First man on third, no outs. Then first and third, no outs. Pop up, strike out, and then get thrown out trying to do that. Uh, ideally, we got to find a way to, to get that guy in to, to tie the game right there. Yeah, so that's happened to me before. Um, I think it was I think it was Carlos Gomez in Houston, and it was the same type of situation. There were two outs and. Um, you know, trying to steal a run right there. So obviously, I wasn't really anticipating it, but um, you know, I have talked with first baseman in the past, Muncie. Uh, I- I've talked with him about it as well. Just like, hey, I-, I look at him originally, but you know, when I come set, I don't really see the runner. So you got to yell at me if they if they start going. And uh, he was yelling at me, step off, step off, step off. So instinctually, I just kind of did it, and uh, it was that was a big out force right there. Dodgers three, Rays two. Now coming home and trying to steal the plate. Margot is out at the plate. Manuel Margot, a head-first slide. Kevin Cash hoping for a replay reprieve. He's asking the umpire, home plate umpire, Marvin Hudson, hold the phone. It was a 
straight attempted steal at the plate. It's honestly, it was just kind of instinct to step off. So, you know, thankfully it's happened before. Um, I don't know if it really happened fast or slow, but I heard Muncie say step off and I stepped off and threw it home. So um, glad, glad we got him out there. One and two to Adamas with two out. Here it comes. And down he goes. Swung on and missed strike three. The Dodgers beat the Rays four to two. They now lead the World Series three games to two. Coming back from last night's devastating loss, the Dodgers are one win away from winning the World Series. So many things with that play. Number one, a pitcher can get spooked a little bit. You know, all of a sudden he's like, "Uh uh-oh, and you balk. He didn't balk. So Max Muncie deserves a ton of credit by saying, step off, step off, step off. And then Kershaw, being the veteran, didn't get out of control, steps off. Um, you know, do you steal in that spot? Here we are in a, a time and place of baseball where analytics say, anyway, you never steal. And here he is stealing home. I really didn't mind it because you had the shift. He could get a big lead. And Kershaw has that weird unique set and then delivers it's chancy it didn't work out i didn't mind it but it may have cost him the game exactly i was right there with you dan and here's also what i'm thinking if you're kevin cash should you have reviewed that do you think do you think they should have went went and challenged it i do it was a big moment in the game there wasn't a definitive angle where i thought they could overturn it but i still would have challenged it yeah I, I thought he was out. They must have felt they had an angle that was definitive because you're in the World Series with a play at the plate. You need runs. Momentum shifting type play. They they must have had a definitive look at it. Because what, what I notice is his helmet pops off. He tags the helmet and then gets to his body. And I can't figure out with the glove that Margot was wearing, where his hand touched home plate. But he tags his helmet initially. So I, I don't know what the ruling would have been there. So they get the out. Now it's Clayton Kershaw. So Kershaw, five and two-thirds, two earned, six strikeouts, and maybe changing the narrative. It feels pretty good. Yeah, I mean, it feels it feels pretty good. I think, uh, you know, anytime you can have success in the postseason, um, it's just as, it just means so much. That's what you work for. That's what you play for um, this month. And, you know, I, I know what the other end of that feels like, too. So um, I'll definitely take it when I can get it. 77th pitch from Kershaw. Ball and two strikes to Zanino. Who strikes out swinging on a slider? Six strikeouts for Clayton Kershaw. Three in a row. Two out. Nobody on here in the bottom of the fifth. You know, uh, to his credit, he, he will do whatever we ask. And um, I just don't know many pitchers that would do that, you know. And um, But in this situation, in this case, we've used him kind of more conventional. And he's responded really well. Um, so we're just very lucky to have him. And I couldn't be happier that, um, you know, the postseason season he's had, um, you know, mirrors who he is as a pitcher. Um, it, it just... He deserves it, and it's great. Yeah, Dave Roberts stuck with him just long enough, and I didn't think his slider was overly great last night, but it doesn't matter. Sometimes, second time throughs, facing a team in a short amount of time, guys are trying to do so much with a slider or with a curveball, they overcook it a little bit, and I thought Kershaw was doing that, but it didn't matter. He's now 2-0, 2.31 in the World Series, 11-2, seven hits, three earned, three walks, 14 strikeouts. 
Randy Arozarena picked up his 27th hit in the postseason. That's a new postseason record. Went one for four. And we'll talk about it with Derek Gould coming up in the next segment. Also talk about what the Cardinals may do moving forward. Football, just want to mention this. Cam Newton, Bill Belichick, rough loss. Myers on the outside, two to the left, Bird in the slot. Bird kept right. along the near sideline. Newton extending the right. hands, looks to his right, takes the snap. Cam drops back, looks down the middle, he throws it off Edelman's hand. Kareen's in the air, picked awesome. off. Running it back across the 30-yard line. Jamar Taylor with the Sit interception. And he is brought down in the play. It was a high throw behind Edelman, oh, who reached up with his left hand. No chance to make the play. Edelman was wide a open two seconds prior. He was wide open, and he waited. And I don't know what he's looking at. And San Make Francisco gets it back with a 30-6 to 6 lead. You know, I can't speak for everybody. Um, you know, I just stick to the man in the mirror. And um, I wasn't good enough. You know, I didn't, I didn't, and I, no way, shape, form did I put this team in a position to compete. And, you know, that's inexcusable. This is the National Football League where, you know, a lot is put on the quarterback. And, and, and you know, I have to deliver. And I haven't done that. And, um, you know, quite frankly, you know, it's evident. So, you know, here moving forward, you know, I know what the issue is, like I just said, and, you know, I just have to be better. Nine for 15, 98 yards. He was pulled, and it's the worst home loss under Belichick, 33-6. to six. Ouch. Ouch. Did you hear the color commentary? Yes, during, that's why I played during it. During the broadcast, Dan? Yes, sir. Oh, my gosh. Rough. I thought it was so, it was some kind of video where it was edited Pull over. <laughs> He's Pull like awful. Him. He's calling it from the booth. <laughs> he was That's terrible. He was pretty rough. <laughs> All right, six five seven eight zero. If you want to chime on in, and we'd love to have you, and we'll get to that later in the show. Derek Gould is going to join us from Texas. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on one hundred and one ESPN. Let's jump right into it with Derek Gould of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. I'm Dan McLaughlin. Derek is covering the World Series in Texas. It has been unique, Derek, to have a neutral site. Uh, first of all, great to hear you. How are things? Uh, uh, good, good. Thanks, Dan. Thanks for asking. How are you? I'm doing well. Um, a good. neutral site, what do you think? Has this been good for baseball? Uh, no. Um, I mean, it's been good for baseball now, but it shouldn't be applied anywhere else. I mean, I, I don't think this. I think this should be isolated to this uh, this current time we're in, and it's a response to, you know, the 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 circumstance, right? They got to have a bubble. They got to put a bubble somewhere, and this place is as good as any. Um, I think it's a nice showcase for a new ballpark, and I'm glad Texas got that. Um, obviously, there's the other added part of it here is that they have it in Texas, where they could have a crowd. Some other places. Like if they planted it in St. Louis, they're not having a crowd. So they're able to sell tickets and stuff to it here, despite uh, the, the rising rate of infections in this area. But uh, here we are. Um, but I think overall, no, this is not I'm not one of the people who buy into uh, the, the neutral site concept, the, the Super Bowl concept. Um, Scott Boris is a big believer in that. He'd like to see baseball move the world series to a neutral site so there can be planning for events around it. So that it can be a kind of a showcase event similar to um, say the college world series or the super bowl or, you know, any of those things that they know where they're going to be. There's bidding on where it's going to be like the all-star game. Right. And they can kind of build all the ceremony around it. I I'm not like that. I had, had last night's had uh, imagine how 
game four would have been at with a home Tampa crowd. Bay. Yeah, the home crowd at Tampa Bay because that that was a Tampa Bay home game. Um, imagine how game one would have been a Dodger stadium with Clayton Kershaw pitching like that. Um, you know, just, just, just things like that. I mean, that's, that's where baseball belongs. It belongs at home. It's a home game. They went to great lengths to play at home during a pandemic, during the regular season. That was so that they could be part of the community. So they could be in the community. This was a big thing for the players. This was a big thing to try to pull off for baseball. So, how can they just discard that and say, yeah, we like neutral site world series. No, no. Baseball is about being home. Baseball is about getting home. Um, let's keep the world series the way it is where the teams play at home. One thing I have loved though, about the postseason this year, the expanded postseason. I, I think this has been great for baseball and I, I hope they do it moving forward. I like the series. Um, I like the fact that there's not a one game, um, play in, uh, game i like the fact that everyone was a series um you know so that, that's a positive uh, i think expanded playoffs are, are here to stay um it, it does make for a long playoff um you know but it adds a, a riveting layer to it I, I think you know that's something to keep in mind in terms of what you've seen in this series uh kershaw has been really good in this postseason really good it maybe changes the narrative a little bit especially if they win for him on a personal level, it could be their first world championship in 32 years. And then you have the mm-hmm. question, is it legitimate in a 60-game season? So a lot of things to juggle in this World Series. How do you size up some of those subjects? Well, it's legitimate. I mean, I think the team that wins this thing has gone through a lot to get there. You know, the, the Dodgers are in their fourth week at the same hotel. Um, a lot of these players, um, you know, on the Rays and on the Dodgers have gone all of those weeks without their families, they're not, not all of them are lucky enough to be able to have, you know, to, to have a wife and a, and kids to move into the bubble. Some guys are alone in the bubble. Um, you know, not to mention all the testing that they have to go through all the, all the regimen and, and all the protocols that they had to go through during the season, all the things that they had to do. I, I, I think that, you know, this championship is legitimate in ways that um, just in different ways of surviving the marathon and then exceeding in October, you know, this is a championship of, you know, discipline and dedication to the protocols. Um, and then just outlasting other teams in a, in a sprint. Um, this, this was, there was no easing into this season. There was no easing through this season. There was, there was no like, uh, cutting innings early to have them available late. And there was none of that. This was all pedal to the metal, um, you know, in fifth gear for the word go. Oh, and you also had to follow tons of COVID-19 protocols that obviously caught up with two teams. Um, but other teams had to do their best to, 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 and, and, you know, not, not all of them followed it to the leather of the law, not all of them followed it to a T, but they still did enough to, to, to keep the virus from leaking into their clubhouse, from seeping into the game, from stopping the season. And I think that makes this championship very much legitimate. It's been interesting, too. Derek Gould is you look at the St. Louis aspect of the World Series. You got a couple of guys so that, you know, have local ties. You had a sheriff pitch the other day, which I thought was great to see him. And then you mm-hmm. have the the one guy that everybody's talking about, Randy Rosarena. Well, he yeah, Fairbanks is getting some of the, the publicity, okay. but the other yeah. guy's getting a lot. Um, what are people saying on a national level about how this all took place with the Cardinals, Rosarena, and Tampa Bay? 
ain't a lot of questions as to why that trade happened. Um, I think, I think on a national level, there's not this real sense that, um, you know, there's not a whole lot of ideas to who came back in that trade because right. Matthew Libertor is not yet in the majors. Um, he's a prospect. And so you, you gotta have to kind of have your eye on the farm, um, to know who came back in that trade. Whereas all eyes are on Randy this October. So get a lot of questions about that. You know, what, what the Cardinals didn't see and what, how could they let this guy go? Does this have staying power? Um, you know, you get that question a lot too. Um, or is anything different about Randy or Rosarian? You know, all those, all those questions have, have fascinating answers. You know, the, the Cardinals traded Rosarian in part because the, you know, the Rays wanted to make that deal. The, the Cardinals had right-handed depth um, in the outfield. We all know that they were trying to move some of those guys. They were shopping, um, actively shopping, um, a lot of right-handed outfielders. Uh, the race had long-standing interest in Jose Martinez and wanted to make that deal. The Cardinals were really, really interested in adding to their left-handed depth and wanted to find, if they could, a, a, a significant prospect. And Libertor is one of the top prep prospect or one of the top left-handed pitchers out of high school. Um, still one of the top left-handed prospects who was drafted out of high school, very young guy. Uh, great pals with Nolan Gorman, as a lot of folks in St. Louis will know. So, um, you know, the, the, it was a fit for the Cardinals. And, you know, the, the, to make that deal happen, um, Jose Martinez was obviously the guy that, that Tampa targeted. But to add, to increase the likelihood of getting Libertor back or to, to make that possible, they added in the outfielder. Um, I don't know if other outfielders were talked about per se. I do know that the the Rays at one point in time had talked to the Cardinals about O'Neill. Um, you know, that they had some interest there. I don't know if the Cardinals resisted trading him or if the Rays said we'd rather have a Rosarena this time around. Um, but the Cardinals felt they had depth. And so they made that move. Um, you know, what, what's changed is, I mean, Rosarena is a much bigger guy than the, the guy who played for the Cardinals. Um, the, the story behind that is interesting because he, dealt with COVID-19. He, he had a positive test, um, then kept getting positive tests. He said he was asymptomatic, never felt ill, um, but constantly got, you know, or regularly got positive tests for, for three weeks, um, or a little bit more than three weeks. That kept him away from the Rays, obviously, kept him in quarantine. Um, he couldn't do much. They they uh, they tried to deliver, or they set up a thing to deliver groceries to him, so he taught himself to cook. Um, and he also just did something like something crazy, like 300 push-ups a day yeah. or something like that. Right. And, and, uh, so he just built on, I mean, he just used the time in quarantine to, um, just build muscle and he did that. I mean, he's 15 pounds heavier than when they saw him in spring training. So, um, there's, that's obviously, I mean, and it's not just like adding 15 pounds by like just eating in quarantine and watching Netflix. It's, it was, you know, what he taught himself to cook. It was the lean meals that he taught himself to cook a lot of chicken and rice. He was saying, um, you know, and just was able to pack on strength. And so he's a different guy than, than the one that the Cardinals had. And then, you know, it, does this have staying power? Well, the guy's hit everywhere, everywhere, everywhere he's gone. He's hit. He's just hit. I mean, put him in a league and he's hit there. So, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, the trend says that he's in this spot now. He certainly has a lot of confidence, and, and he hits. So, I mean, I, I think 
next year for the Rays, he's going to be a regular and everyday player, and he's probably going to hit. Now, is he going to hit 360? No, probably not. Is he going to hit 20 home runs? Sure. That's that's reasonable. Hey, Derek, stay with us just for a bit. I want to get into Yachty, Wayno, and maybe some of the names the Cardinals can look to uh, in this offseason. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. Continue our conversation with Derek Gould of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Derek, thanks for hanging on through the break. Um, I am curious about this, and we'll get to Yachty, Wayno, and maybe some potential free agents that are out there for the Cardinals a little later in this segment, but I am curious about just the start of the season. What are you hearing about that? If we have a vaccine and if things get back to being somewhat normal, um, what are you hearing in terms of if this season can start on time in 2021 as you talk to other writers uh, down at the World Series and hear from some of the representation of Major League Baseball? I mean, lots of questions. They obviously have a spring training schedule out. They have a 2021 schedule out, so they have some they have optimism. They want they want to at least put it out there on paper that they want to start on time, but there's the usual questions that go with that and then they know that they're not in control. That's that's been the big thing is they did their best within the uh bounds uh, of the control that they had to you know create a way for the game to be played um and and move around the country i mean i i think that's not that should not be ignored and yes they had the outbreaks yes they had the uh the 18 players i believe it was with the marlins and the 10 players with the cardinals and 18 members of the cardinals traveling party total um, they had the two outbreaks, significant outbreaks, and then they pivoted and moved and learned and they evolved and their protocols, you know, changed over time. When the season started, there was not going to be playoffs in the bubble. When the season ended, here we are in the World Series and the World Series is a bubble. I think, you know, they, they just they did their best to learn um, as they went. Um, and they're going to have to do the same here in the off season as, as spring training and, and the 2021 season approaches. You know what? What can they do? Can can they could could they do a 162 game schedule like this under these parameters? That's a lot. That I mean, that's a that's a long haul. A lot, a lot more travel involved. Um, you know, you're talking about hundreds and thousands of more tests. Um, you know, they've already repurposed the lab there in Salt Lake City to run their tests, but that also means that you know. Um, that lab will be focused on the, the coronavirus tests and not on performance enhancing drug tests. So, you know, there's a lot for baseball to to kind of consider. And all of it hinges on the fact the one thing that they can't control is the viruses spread in our country. You know, like we're we're seeing rising rates all around us. That's that's all, you know, you just turn on the news and you can hear all about the, just the rising rates are coming back. You know, is this the, is this the second wave or the third wave or the fall wave or the flu season wave or whatever you want to call it. Um, so what does it look like in January? What, what do things look like in February? Sure. Do we have, you know, are they going to partition baseball off into the cactus league and the, and the grapefruit league and try to create these spring training bubbles? That's entirely possible. Are they going to push the start of the season back and hope to, and hope to buy time? Maybe if there's going to be a vaccine, that's entirely possible. So there's a lot of things on the table, a lot of questions, um, but they just don't have answers. And that's because we as a whole don't have answers. 
there's a lot of questions pertaining to the Cardinals too with yeah. you know Molina, Wainwright, Wong and I guess the biggest question would be if you have fans, you you can set a budget. So you right. you have an understanding of what you have coming in and what goes out. So how do you think the Cardinals handle uh free agency and just a general sense and then dealing with their own free agents too? I think they have to I mean you're right. I think they they're going to they're going to have this situation where they got to have a plan in place where if they can sell tickets, they got to have a re- realistic look at, you know, what that looks, what that feels like. I mean, is that, is it going to be 40,000 in the stands next year? I mean, they can't count on that. Is it going to be 11,000 like it is at the world series? Maybe that's possible. Is it going to be 50% capacity? I mean, that whatever they deal with, they have to think of a budget that is reduced, significantly reduced. Um, and maybe even have some streamlining elsewhere and, and what that looks for the for the payroll would be fascinating. Um, you know, they got to make a call probably first on Colton Wong um, and then, you know, kind of move their way through the through the choices from there so that they know um, what what their payroll is before they go plunging into free agency. And that would include, you know, what does Molina come back as? Um, I mean, as far as salary goes, does Wainwright come back? Um, is he does he want a Xerox copy of his most recent uh, contracts, or has he earned more because of the way he pitched, or does he want to do a you know a half season deal because this thing worked out so well? Is is that something that they want to talk to him about? Is like, hey, look, you know, want you back next season? Would it be mutually advantageous for it not to be for the whole season? to do a Roger Clemens type thing. Um, you know, I mean, they're going to have to get creative in the way. And I, I think they'll be looking for more short-term fixes than long-term commitments. Um, this, 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 this market could actually offer that, um, you know, as, as unappetizing as it's probably sounds to fans where, it, where, when I say that they have uh, short-term, uh, you know, eyes and, uh, and probably reduce spending in that way, people will hear that and, probably you know in their in in their brain translate that as low-hanging fruit um the thing is that that might be available this winter right i mean you're gonna have players who are non-tenders you're gonna have outfielders who are ready to be traded because they're in arbitration um you're gonna have a couple guys uh free agents who are gonna look for the best one-year deal they can get to uh, recreate their value so that next year, albeit a year where the CBA is expiring, you know, if finances kind of get back and, you know, you're talking about full stadiums for 2022 and spending is back in vogue for teams, then that's when they want to be available to be free agents. I would assume that the appetite for Molina to come back is, is pretty good on both sides. Would, would you agree with that? I would agree with that. I would, I would agree that the, uh, uh, I'm eager to see if uh, if Molina has a wandering eye and who engages in that conversation. There are a couple teams in New York that are looking for yep. that might be looking for a veteran catcher. Um, you know, but you know, Molina has been very candid. He hasn't wavered from the fact that he would prefer to return to the Cardinals. Um, you know, he obviously want doesn't you know wants to wants to make a salary that he feels is fair. Um, recognizes that that's going to be scaled back from what he has been making over the last few years. Um, but he, he wants to play. He wants to, wants to, uh, be around with the Cardinals and you and I both know, and I'm sure you've heard the same thing that I have. Um, ownership has put a value on legacy players. Um, they, that, you know, the ownership has said that, that, that in this case, you know, because you're, 
you're not talking about a 10 year deal with, you know, three time MVP, um, you know, kind of spending in this case, they really, um, see, uh, they like the idea of having a one team guy be their guy. And Molina's in that and Molina is that guy. He's, he's the one that defines that for them. What are some of the names, Derek, of the you know free agents to be, or maybe arbitration players that don't don't make it that you think could fit the Cardinals coming up in in twenty twenty one? Yeah, I think you know the arbitration one. I'm still kind of working through those names um, because you know that doesn't exactly um, it doesn't crystallize here for another little bit. Um, probably uh, you know two, three, four weeks from now because you got teams that'll be like, all right, well, can we trade this guy? Okay, well. Can we uh, can we work out an extension with this guy? Do we want to, um, you know, so there's that that kind of stuff is going on. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, the free agents, there's Springer. Um, there's a sense that Springer is going to try to go for the big contract, though. And then there's in this World Series, there's a guy, Jock Peterson, you know, hit a home run right in game five. Destroys um, right handed pitching, destroys right handed pitching, um, has spent his life as a as a matchup man for the. You know, basically platooned most of his career with the data-oriented Dodgers. Um, you know, does that mean that uh, you know for for his next team that could mean okay, we'll follow that script and get him out there against right-handed pitching and and enjoy. Um, for him, it could mean trying to find a team that might give him some shots against left-handed pitching, just so he can round out his resume a little bit, show that he you know improve in that regard, show that he can do that. And then go for the big money later. I mean, he's got talent. He's he he's a good defender. He, he's got legit power. Um, and as you said, you know, I mean, like he just mauls right-handed pitching. And you know what? There's a lot of in the game, Dan. Right-handed pitching. Right-handed pitching. <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, he's twenty-eight, 28. years old. Yeah, yeah. So, um, little little tidbit on that too. He's also pals with Albert Pujols. So. Um, their the family is close to Albert Pools. Interesting, I didn't know that. Yeah, so um, yeah, there's a tie there. That's that's actually how I was introduced to Jock Peterson many many years ago was through uh, through um, Albert and uh, and and Tiger Peterson is a hitting coach um, in the Cardinals minor league system. His brother, right? I knew that. I he he would be a fit. I I, I look at him. I think he's a fit, and I just think it's going to be as we wrap it up one of the most intriguing fun off seasons potentially because there's going to be so many guys that do not get tenured. You know, they, yeah. they, they, they tendered, they, they just don't get the, the deal. They become a free agent. And all of a sudden, like you said, there could be those that are out there looking for that one year deal and then rehit the market in when the economy and when our lives kind of come back to quote unquote normal. Yeah. And you ask a good question as to what are the names out there and, um, you know, I mean, my, my thought on that is like, I could throw out a bunch of names and speculate. Um, my, my preference is to kind of track those down sure. and, and know. Um, so, so that's why, I mean, they're, they're you know, that you look, look at the Rays outfield, right? Okay. You got Renfro and Margot and, uh, and Kiermaier and Rosarena. They're not going to bring all those guys back. They'll bring back a Rosarena because he's a rookie next year. He'd make the minimum. Um, but the Rays aren't going to are going to move on from somebody. Uh, you know, you have what are the Rockies going to do with some of their outfielders uh, and their spending and their, their look to trim costs? I mean, it really looks like that's an area where they may have to make some calls just to reduce payroll. So it's it's things like that. I mean, 
you know, we, we can cast out some names, but it's going to be a real fascinating sort of lead into December um, as teams look to move those guys. And so, you know, the Cardinals, if they can position themselves well, they don't have to wait for that non-tender. They just have to have their ears open for who's going to be and then try to trade. Derek, great, uh, great information. Appreciate it so much. Enjoying your work down in Texas, and uh, we'll see what happens in Game 6 tomorrow. Thanks so much at uh, the Post-Dispatch, all your work. All right. Thanks, Dan. Yep. I'm happy to be here. It's a nice little uh, challenge, and it's, uh, I think it's important. We know, we know how big a baseball town St. Louis is. And part of that is providing baseball coverage for them. So uh, it's important to be at events like this, and you can't beat, uh, hopefully, hopefully a rise to the occasion, because certainly you can't beat a game like game four. That was... um, and, and sort of wh- what that was for baseball. And what that could be for baseball coverage. No doubt. That's Derek Gould of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. Ribs, PK, Alex, they're coming up. This is the crossover. Our thanks to Derek Gould for joining me for this program scoops with danny mack we do this every day at 10 what are you laughing at i just uh just enjoying you talking on the radio dan that's all oh really yeah you can, every day you're just a pro when you get yeah. a guy like scrub like me like a call up from the minors no you're not yes. a scrub i'm a scrub hey i i was curious did you always want to get into media because you were great with the media. I, well, I mean that sincerely. I always wanted to be a Hall of Famer, but that wasn't happening. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know what? I'd always, from a young age, really enjoyed interacting with the media. Even when we played junior hockey and where I was at, like you're scrutinized big time. Playing junior hockey oh, up yeah. in way northern Canada, sure. it might as well be playing like in Toronto. And so, I don't know. I just, I enjoyed the relationships uh, in it and I enjoyed talking to the media. You were great. I always wanted to give answers that were real, too. I didn't always want to be like the generic, hey, pull from the handboard over here. Oh, yeah, this one here. We did our best. And, right. You know, the guys, if they stick with it. I just didn't like that. What would be your advice? Because the game has changed from when you played to now, social media, everything's blown oh, my, out of yeah. proportion. Uh, what would be your advice to young players about dealing with the media? Uh, be honest with them. As much as really? you can be. Yeah, I really think so because... But honesty sometimes can get you into trouble. It can. There's a fine line. Uh, let me let me rephrase it. When it comes to asking about the team and the game and situations, be as honest as you can be about those situations. Yeah. Like if there was a power play or a penalty kill or a, uh, a pitch that you missed, or, you talk about it. Break it down. Tell the media what you were seeing, how it happened, how you're going to try to adjust to it the next time. And so give them something to write. So that when something happens that's not so pleasant, they're not sitting there sharpening their pencils, can't wait to write something negative about you. Like give them a couple of days to like buff it over for you yeah. type thing. I always figured that if you could have a great relationship with the media on both sides, that both sides could help each other. Yep. You know, give, I the, agree. give the media something to talk about, give them some nuggets to, to talk about on TV or write about. And in return, when you pass one up the middle and you get it buried in the back of your net, they're not going to go, look, he's terrible. He shouldn't be here. They're going to say, oh, it must have been a broken stick. You That's know, something right. like that. They're going to give you a little bit of leeway. Well, also, when when you wear the C in hockey, you know, you're there, win or, or lose, you're, you're there. Um, and in baseball, you, you have to do it for 162 games. Before and after games, the manager always talks. Um, I've always felt, or I'm getting to this point now, 
I'd like to see a C being worn in baseball to where that guy is going to be the spokesman for the team. Win or loss. Why don't they have that? Like, we always talk all the time, well, Yachty's the captain in the clubhouse. Wayne Ole's a captain. Yeah. Well, let's see it. Put a C on the jersey. Who cares? To me, Yachty is the captain. Um, I just think there's sometimes after games he's just exhausted. You know what I mean? He's beat up. And after a game, I don't know if he really wants to talk, especially after no for four well, days. And I get that. And there's he's, a lot of guys that don't want to talk after the game. You think Cam iced. Newton wanted to talk yesterday after right. the game? Right. No, he didn't. You right. know what I mean? Right. And look at Alex Petrangelo during that skid the Blues were on, where every Awful. day it was like, yeah. you guys are not playing well. What's going on? And he had to stand there, and you know he played 24 minutes that night. Right. I mean, it is what it is. It is what it is. I, I get it. Yeah. I'm trying to think who would be the a really good captain for the for the Cardinals. I mean, it, it would be Yachty. He would be my guy. Uh, Maybe you name three captains. Yeah, And then he, you can kind of, because the 162 that's games, what I mean. you he'd rotate have to, through it. He'd have to. Yeah. I think Wong would be a good guy. DeYoung would be a good guy. Uh, Bader might be a good guy. I don't know if you can do a pitcher, because a pitcher's only doing you know one out of five. I don't think that's relevant. I think that a pitcher's there. He's watching the game. He yeah. knows what's going on. Yeah. You tell me Adam Wainwright couldn't talk about a loss or a win if he sure. wasn't playing? Yeah. You know what I mean? Going to try to get Wayno on the show tomorrow. Be interesting. He, I keep calling him, but apparently he has my number blocked or something like that. Is that right? Yeah. It was something to do like two or three text messages late one night. I don't know. Really? Apparently I burned that bridge. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I blocked you. We just talked now. This is true. I tried to call the other day. I was like, yeah, he must have changed his number. No. Nope. Well, uh, since you probably don't know what's coming up, Gabe DeArmond is going to be uh, Yeah, I talking. heard. Gabe's a great guy. Yeah, he's going to be talking Gabe the babe, the we call him. <laughs> and you got Mark Sa- What do you call Saxy? Big Saxy. <laughs> Big Saxy. You got any other ones that you like to throw out there? Uh, Bob Nightingale is Bobby Boogie. <laughs> he uh, he enjoys that one. We called him out of the show one day. I thought maybe he'd swallowed his phone at the time. Oh. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I like to come up with nicknames for everybody. Heck, it's sports. We all have nicknames. It right? is. You had, it is. You had John Nagowski. You had the Nog Father. The Nog Father or Big Nog. <laughs> Big Nog. <laughs> I love it. Ribs BK Alex coming up. Scotty, great job. And we'll talk to you tomorrow at 10 on 101 ESPN. You have been listening to the TV voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, Scoops with Danny Mack on 101 ESPN.